Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Gwen Drager. Praise the Lord. We're so grateful for his word. We're grateful for what he does. Amen. Well, how many of you have learned how to travel through time? I think from the dawn of time, people, from the dawn of time, hmm? <laughs> people have tried to master time. Yeah. Absolutely. Even in the Garden of Eden, they tried to jump around a bit. And there was that thing. And I think, how many science fiction movies have been based on trying to conquer time? I can't, I couldn't even begin to count them. There's something about time that, that has mastered us and tries to dominate us and drive us. And we need to learn to shut the mouth of that lion. Amen. Amen. Last week I talked about shutting the mouth of the boogeyman lion <laughs> of self. Yeah. And I want to continue on because we need to really learn how to shut the mouths of lions that are coming against us in our life. It's so vital and so important and I want to bring to you some interesting words this morning. I hope it helps you. I'm believing it will. That you'll feel not driven by time. And, and be able to walk things through with the Lord. And know that just like the tribe of Issachar, who knew what time it was, what Israel ought to do, and didn't freak out. But did, and got wisdom. It is a testimony. And if it did it in the Old Testament without Holy Ghost operating in their life, we have the Holy Ghost. It shouldn't be driving us. We shouldn't be looking for that place. We shouldn't be like, ah! Right? Amen. Right? In 1 Thessalonians 5, 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1. You probably should underline this because it's very good. I like to write in my Bible. I write all over it. It reminds me later if I've forgotten something because I sometimes forget things. Do you remember everything the Lord has told you? Well, working on it is a good, good way. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. And lots of times when we see that verse, we jump on because God's about to say something else. We get excited about it and we miss the first point. What's the point? Don't let time drive you. You shouldn't have the need of going, what time is it? What time is it? What time is it? What time is it? What time, what time is it? What time is it? Have you ever been in a workplace? I, I've worked outside of the church in, in businesses and get to be 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You work till 5. And that coffee break, you shouldn't have taken it because now you're counting every, is it, you know, five more minutes, five more minutes, five. And it is the slowest time of the day the clock goes And really, it was moving the same time it was when you were trying to get out the door to get there on time, but seemed to move at lightning speed. Right? He says, you have no need that I write unto you. Why would he not need to write to us about time? Because we don't need to be concerned about it. It is not our primary motivation. Should we just settled inside? Time is our friend. Yep. Everything God said he'd do in time, he would. Yep. We've been called into the fullness of times. What in the world? The fullness of times. That's the age we're living in, where everything is completed. All the promises that we probably don't know what are they. All those things. The promises of his Holy Spirit being poured out without measure on us. I mean, my, my, my. The fullness, not the like just barely get by, because that's what we've been living. Well, if we can just hang on through the tough part. No, no, no. That's when we don't understand the time. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes. As, it, it, you know this. It's not like, hello, you know it. Every person in here knows 
Every person knows Jesus is returning. We're just not going to freak out about it. In the Second Thessalonians 2.1, it says, but relative to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, Second Thessalonians 2.1, and our, I'm reading out of Amplified, and our gathering together to meet him, we beg you, brethren. This is, come on, not to allow your minds to be quickly unsettled or disturbed. I thought this one was interesting. I love the the Snagglepuss kind of version. If you grew up with Snagglepuss, you know what I mean. There's a door, an exit, an opening, you know. <laughs> Unsettled, disturbed, kept excited, right? Right? <laughs> kept excited or alarmed. <laughs> Amplified version. Quickly unsettled or disturbed or kept excited. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. I know this. Sometimes when I get excited, I get blinded to what's next. Because I'm like, oh, look at this, look at this, look at this. And I forget something right beside it. Probably no one else has ever experienced that. <laughs> I didn't write this. It, it's written right there. In the regular Amplified, I don't know about the new one. And so kept excited or alarmed. I think this just covers all the ground we've been living in the last few months. I've seen those unsettled. I've seen those disturbed, frankly. Some go, do you think you'll come in September? Oh my goodness, have you seen all those things? You know, because that's a, like the Jewish time of year. And, and you know, the Rosh Hashanah. Oh my word, oh my word. There's been so many prophecies and we're living in that time. Ooh. Right? And they can't get today's job done. <laughs> I praise Jesus. He loves us so much. And, and I'm just going to keep going in the Amplified version here, whether it be by some, watch this now, pretended revelation. <laughs> I think, I, dear Lord Jesus, we got to read the Amplified more often. Thank you. <laughs> pretended revelation of the spirit by word or letter alleged to be from us. What? What? to the effect that the day of the Lord has already arrived or is here. Mm? Uh-oh. And this really came into me because I know a lot of people are getting caught up in the, what time is it? Oh, look at all these things that are happening in the world. And then all the prophecies from here, there, and everywhere have been just bursting. And people say, well, what are you saying at your church? What's a pastor saying at your church? Did they have a word? Did they have a special word? Do they know? Do they know what time it is? Do they know Jesus is coming back? And there's been this pressure both ways. Well, if they're not saying it, they're not right. And if they're saying it too much, they're wrong. There's an alleging, there's a pressure about prophecies that's not from heaven. And people are getting pulled into that cycle and forgetting that there is very much things to do right now that the Holy Ghost wants us to do. There are purposes to be fulfilled right now. And we're not going to stop Jesus from coming back, and we're not going to hurry him up neither. Amen. Amen. He is coming back. And we're not freaking out. We're not disturbed, unsettled, freaking out too much, or alarmed. We're going, what did the Holy Spirit tell us to do today? Today. Today. I understand. I, I am human. I just thought I'd refresh that. I'm, I'm human. I can hear people are upset. I'm not denying I'm not saying people aren't, aren't really feeling pressure. I know they are. This is an answer if they can hear it. You can step out of the pressure. Some people feel obligated to pressure to resolve it. And so they get caught up in the, an I've got to have an answer. This is unresolving. There aren't any answers. I've got to resolve it. And they get caught in the revolving lack of answers, feeling like they must resolve this in order to do what's on the docket for today. And so because they get caught up in this circle, they miss what's going on right here in front of them. There are many people yet who have not heard the gospel that need to hear it. 
uh, one of the generals went home just Friday, Dr. Morris Cirillo, wonderful man of God. I had the blessing of being in his presence a few times and, and having him uh, surprisingly laid hands on me. I say surprisingly because he came up behind me and uh, that was the first time. And, and we were, I was one of the pastors on the stage, you know, where they set them all up and have little special rows. And uh, I was on the platform in that, that uh, auditorium, and he came up behind me. All those people were there, there were people everywhere, and he came up and stood beside me and put his hand on me. And I was like, who is, I, I, and we were praying, and so he kind of snuck in, and I was like, praise the Lord, the presence of God was so strong in him. And I knew I, somewhere someone had touched me. It wasn't Jesus, <laughs> but it kind of was. <laughs> and I opened my eyes, I peeked, and he smiled at me. And he said, sister. And I said, thank you, Lord. I just receive in Jesus' name. <laughs> and he just said, okay. And he just prayed for me right there. I didn't have to wait to the end of the meeting. I didn't have to wait for a special invitation. And he just blessed me. He just blessed me. That was the first time. And several times later, he felt led to come to Vancouver on his own after he'd been here a few times. And he was in New York City. And the Lord woke him up in his hotel room. I am going to tell you a prophecy. <laughs> this is a good one. And it's okay. And he was in New York City in his hotel room. And God began to speak to him about Vancouver, British Columbia. And on his own dime, he came here and held a meeting. And he called it. Now, he had already been here a couple of times. And he called out to the pastors. And he called out to those who would hear the word of the Lord. And he gave an announcement in the first meeting. Keep gathering. I'm going to be giving the word Saturday night. And there were several opportunities during these meetings as he taught on healing and reaching the community. I've got a word that the Holy Ghost gave me when I was in New York City in that hotel room. And when the meetings first started out, there were over 4,000 people gathered in that auditorium. And by the time it got to Saturday night, people got tired. They did not know what time it was. There was just over 300 people in that meeting. I was on the platform again with <laughs> the ministers. And before he gave that word, he began to his, had his assistant calling up the different pastors that were on the platform and having them stand in certain places and stand along the front. And suddenly I was in this very awkward place. I was sitting alone in a chair, the only woman on the platform that day. It felt quite awkward, I'll say that. But I did not move until I was called because I understand the protocol of the Lord and I also understand that God takes care of me. And because the pastors created quite a nice wall in their suits <laughs> and I was behind them, I wasn't seen anyway. And there was this lovely wall. And all of a sudden, Dr. Cirillo turned around, his hands on his hips. And if you've ever seen a minister, that was very typical of him. Looks at me. And he smiles at me, and he says, come, sister. And no one else got to hold his hand. And he took me by the hand, and he says, let's pray. And I got to stand beside him. Sometimes being last brings you first. It was a very precious day. And he held my hand as he delivered this word over the city. John 15, 16. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. And he looked out into the crowd that had gathered. And he, and he made sure that everyone knew that there was a calling that was not done by men, but a calling that was on heaven's heart for this city, for this province that God spoke to a man in 
New York City in a hotel room. And he glanced at me a few times, squeezing my hand, praise the Lord. <laughs> and he says, I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain and that whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it. Let it be done. And that was the word he had for our city. What a blessing. What a strength. And I've thought lately about all of the words I've heard come from people who feel that lack of choosing, who feel unworthy to walk in that place, who have stood up lately. I've heard those cries. Haven't you on the te television? Cries of injustice. Am I noticed? Now, I've seen that in the world rising up, but I've also seen it in the church. Am I worthy to walk? Has, I, I'm not good enough for God's call. The character of Gideon has so manifested in Canada. It's like a trap. Am I, I'm, I am so unworthy, and it sits on Canadians. But God called him a mighty man of valor. And as it sits on the church, there's an echo in the world. And they've risen up and they feel unworthy and no one hears their cause and they're having protests and all of these things. And there has been an outcry that has risen up from the people, an outcry of injustice, an outcry to be understood, an outcry from the people about their personal pain. And it is yet unresolved because they haven't cried out to the one who heals the pain. Amen. And it is time, Amen. instead of an outcry, there was a cry out to our Heavenly Father. A cry out that rises from the hearts of men and women. A cry out that is deep and comes forth with hope. Hope that God who promises will resolve and heal and deliver. And it is time for that cry to rise up strong in God's people again. That we will not be pushed back. A cry out that says, I will go. Will, I will go. I will go wherever you send me. I will go. Because that's the cry that gets heard. It's not that he never heard the others. It just wasn't a cry that could be healed. The outcry is something that comes out of a resolve to fix it themselves. There's a self-driving underneath the outcry. But in a cry out, there is a leaving behind of self. And it's a good cry. It's a good cry. And we can get there. We can get there. Let's turn to 1 Timothy. 1 and 12. 1 Timothy 1 and 12. I thank. We started out today thanking God. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. Who has done what? Oh my word. Can you see it in your Bibles? I thank Christ Jesus my Lord. Who did what? Enabled me. He enabled me. There's times when, as Canadians, we feel so shut down, so closed up, so unable to speak even. Hmm? But that cry out comes, and God enables us. God enables us. And it starts when we thank God. <laughs> and look at this. I mean, this is such a powerful testimony of Paul. He enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. We come with such a Gideon attitude of unworthiness. And if anyone had a, had a cause, if anyone had a right to say they were not worthy, if anyone could have stood and said, I am not fit for this, it would have been Paul, who murdered the very people <laughs> who were serving Jesus Christ. And, and Gideon had not done that. He says, verse 13, who before was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and injurious, but I obtained mercy. Amen. He obtained mercy because he did it ignorantly in unbelief. Now, isn't that something? Because he believed in God. He was a Pharisee. He knew all the rules. There is some measure of faith inside of him for the rules. And he believed that what he was doing was right for the kingdom's sake. 
and ignorantly, blindly, 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 he missed the very one who could help. His surrender turned the whole thing around. Praise Jesus. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saving and worthy of you to be able to accept it and not reject it. That was my addition, not amplified. Pastor Gwen amplified. That Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. How be it for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him. There is a pattern here. There is a principle here that you can see. It doesn't matter what went before. What matters is here and after. Hallelujah. Look what it comes down to, verse 18. And so he begins to charge because there is a charge that Holy Spirit wants to do in every one of us to equip his believers for this time so that we can stand bravely and courageously and strong with his might operating. Amen. Verse 18, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on you, not the ones that were national, but the ones that were personal, where God spoke to you. Some of you have had God speak to you individually, and I'm telling you that those things are not passed away just in the same way God promised Jesus. What he promised to you will surely come to pass. What he said over you is working. He said that you might buy them war a good warfare. What and what did that warfare look like? What is that good warfare? These are the places we're going to have to learn to shut the mouths of the crazy roaring lions. Amen. Amen. And the truth is you'll never shut the mouth of any lion as long as your past is speaking louder than his forgiveness in your present and future. Amen. Amen. Time to shut that mouth. Amen. Amen. Amplified version of 19 says, holding fast to faith, that leaning of the entire human personality in God, in absolute trust and confidence, and having a good, clear conscience. Let's talk about that. What does it mean to war right? What does it mean to do that? If you think about Joshua and Daniel and David, all examples of standing on God's word as his covenant promises, when you're warring right, you're holding that promise of God. You're bringing it up. You're speaking it out, not because people made you. Because you believe it. This is what God said. I'm not moved by the time. I'm not troubled. I'm not one of those disturbed people. I'm patient. I'm living in the fullness of his time. Is that a promise or not? Well, I don't really know where that is, Pastor. Try looking in Ephesians chapter 1. You'll find it. It's where we're living. It's where he's called us to live. You wore right when your ears are tuned to that station. <laughs> Turn off CNN. It'll help you greatly. <laughs> When you're warring right, you're holding that word. You're speaking it and, and loving it. I love what God's word says. And we've got to speak that more than the news of the day. Well, did you hear what that? I, and it's, please understand, I do watch some of the news. I used to be a news junkie until I heard that come out of my mouth. And I heard myself, oh, I'm a news junkie. And I really was. I was watching all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. And I thought, what am I doing? And one Sunday while I was ministering, I said, I'm a news junkie. And I heard it, and I went home, and I went, okay, that's enough of that. I want to be a word junkie. Amen. 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 So that, oh, yes, the good news. <laughs> the good news. <laughs> so that out of my mouth and the abundance of my heart, my mouth is speaking. So I need that in abundance. I need that in abundance. And when I'm warring right, and I've done those things, I've held on to the word. I've speaking the word because I'm excited about it in the right way. 
<laughs> right excitement. <laughs> I also, an ex expectation builds. I expect it to, that one song we were singing this morning, the expectation. There's an expectation of his promises. And, and when, you see, when the world's words come in and come in and come in, it dampens our expectation, pushes it down. We get used to what they're saying we should expect, including the weather. Well, obviously, they're not correct. Amen. You know, I used to nickname them the weather prophets. <laughs> but, yeah, the false prophets of the weather. Because if this was the Old Testament, they'd all be dead. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> so if you're going to war right, you've got to get the right things in. The right things in. What does it mean to hold faith? This is where we keep our heart pure. I think that, and, and of course, if we hold, uh, keep our heart pure, we'll know that if there's a continuing problem, it's probably us, not God. <laughs> there's a place where we can strive for purity by our own strength. How many people know that that is a false hope? I, uh, years and years ago, I, I watched a movie. It was called The Mission, and I hadn't watched it for years. It was, some of it was pretty boring. Some of it was pretty gory. Um, it's based on a man who was very much harming a mission. And, in, and, uh, and I went looking for the clip because it was one clip in the whole movie. It's kind of in somewhere like probably about two-thirds of the way through. And, and it was just it was so powerful because it showed exactly what I'm talking about with heart purity. So we strive so hard to do it ourselves all the time. And, and as a fixer, I want to fix things. It's just in my nature. I want to fix things. I want to fix things. And so I have had to learn how to be patient with God and allow the Holy Spirit to fix what I certainly cannot. Couldn't fix myself. Can't fix anybody else, but he can. And keeping that perspective. And in this particular movie, there's a very, very bad man who does very bad things. And he murders and he hurts these people and he hurts this tribe. And, and, and it's played by Robert uh, De Niro. And so he finally, his eyes come open a little bit to the pain he has caused many. So he goes with the brothers, their Catholic brother thing, and he's going to go and take uh, stuff to the village, and they have to go way into the backwoods of South America. And it's a terrible journey, and it's pouring rain, and it's muddy, and he's got this huge weight because he's going to do penance for his crime. And he ties it on, and he nets all this stuff that he's, all, all this help that he's bringing to this tribe way out in the back bush. And, he's, and it's pouring rain, and he's going uphill, and he's sliding. And he's got this huge weight tied on his back. And he's, and he's going up the hill, and finally, after days and days and days, and he's weak, and he's trying to fast because he's in penance. And, and he's doing all these things to try and make what he did wrong right. And he's sliding down this hill for the many times. And one of them just can't stand it anymore. One of the other brothers come, I can't stand it anymore. He takes a knife and he cuts the rope and he cuts his burden off. And the character goes back down, grabs the rope, ties it back on, and keeps going. It so impacted me then. Because I saw this happening all the time in the body of Christ. Jesus set us free. And we go back and we tie on the burden he cut loose from us and say, I'm going to struggle up that mountain myself. And he struggles and he slips and he keeps going and he keeps going. And one of the other brothers, he says to the head fella, he says to him, he said, we, we all agree he's paid us. He said, but he doesn't know it for himself. And that's really the greatest holdup to our heart becoming pure is because we don't know it for ourselves. There's a place that I can't convince anybody. Neither can Jesus Christ. But he says, here I am, and this is what I've done. And you can have it. But at the end of the day, each one of us decides. And we decide when we're not going to carry the burden and let him.
at the end of the day, he finally gets up to this one place and he is on the ground broken. And one of the tribe's members, he gets there with the load. He's got up the hill. And a tribeman runs out. He knows who he is. He knows he's the murderer. He knows what he's done. And he grabs his knife and he goes over there and he holds it under his throat. And he just surrenders to him. When he surrendered, he flipped around and he cut off the burden. And they cry. I cried too the first time I saw him. Because I knew that that's what God wanted to do for so many. And when he was finally willing, he let it go and his heart became pure. How many of us stop along life's path because we think that there's something he hasn't paid for, isn't big enough, or cannot do it for us? So we hold these little bits. We go along holding on, holding on, holding on, holding on. All this time, he's been the answer to it. The greatest doorway to having a pure heart is knowing you've been the problem all along. And when you accept that, he can fix it. And when these things are fixed, it becomes easier to stand in the word of God. It's like I mentioned last week, it's very hard to stand in your enemy's face when you think there's something wrong in your heart. And I wrote this in my notes, one of the most insidious lions that we face is the roaring mouth of past transgressions. I think one of the last things I want to talk about today before I talk about some other things is a good conscience in our warfare and shutting the mouths of lions. And that's this and how we get there. When I said that the last week from Joshua that they couldn't face their enemy because their conscience wasn't clear. Now a conscience is that part of us that, that when we go to move forward has a withdrawal or a, a little funky part that isn't quite resolved. And sometimes we think, well, if it's not resolved and I'm here, perhaps I better go on an expedition to my past. And that will not work. You can't go backwards. None of us can. We cannot change time that way. God is the only one who supersedes time. I cannot go back and fix what I've done. And, and I once met this person who says, well, I don't live with any regrets. What I've done, I've done. And I thought, bless the Lord, I regret some things. <laughs> What's up with that? I don't know how you come to that conclusion. Well, I don't really believe in repentance. Uh, that's a problem. <laughs> and how's that working for you? <laughs> And, and every time something happens, something bad, I'd be blessed. I mean, we've been going through. I mean, everybody faces challenges. How did you go through challenges like that? Well, I repent. It's part of my lifestyle. You know, I see where I've done wrong, and I say, I tell God I'm sorry. And then I work at doing it better. You know, God, it's working a, a zeal in me that's happy and all those kinds of things. And every time a challenge came up, they'd fall down. They'd fall, and when I say fall down, they get into sin and not halfway. You know what I'm saying? They didn't like, oh, temptation's grabbing me. Ah, no, 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 no. It'd be a couple of months before they got back. Mm-hmm. They took a big flying leap off the bandwagon of healing right into the bandwagon of pain, <laughs> misery, sin. Came up smelling like tar and weirdness. <laughs> I tell you what. <laughs> Come on. Uh, you can't do it yourself, but he's certainly there to help you. And he's like, hello, hello, just waiting. <laughs> yep. These things happen. These things happen. We have to be able to hear God's correction. God's correction doesn't come like a big slap. That's usually the devil, just so that you know. And the devil goes like this, you're a rotten, blah, 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 and you'll never get nowhere, and you're full of garbage. That is not how God talks to you. It works this way. You've done something wrong, and inside you feel like you're going to puke. <laughs> it's like, oh. Right? Unless you're hard-hearted, and he has to hit you three times. You know, if, if you're saying, God, break me, 
uh, what you're saying is you're really hard and you need a good bat to come over your head and that's the only way you're going to get straightened out. Mm. <laughs> Hit me with lightning, God. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be that way. <laughs> so grateful. Have a soft heart. Only those stiff neck need to get broken. Mm, 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 mm. We're having fun today, aren't we? Now, I want you to see this in your own Bibles. So turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9. It's in my Bible. It is. Hebrews comes after those little guys. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 9. You're going to be blessed. You should underline it. Verse 11. But Christ becoming, being come a high priest of good things to come, not evil, not sickness and disease or all of those things that are hard and mean. And, hmm. By a greater and more perfect tabernacle has not made, not made with hands, that is to say, not at this building, hello, he's not working on a, a, we're grateful for the house that God put in us, but the most important house is this one. Neither by the blood of goats or calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. What this is talking about is once, because when the devil was up there, he messed up heaven and it was messy because there was rebellion. It needed to be cleansed. Once Jesus went to the cross, got his blood, he went up there, made everything nice and purty and holy and clean. And then, and then the devil can't go back and forth in there anymore. And so he's made that house pure and holy, and now the, and he doesn't have to do it three times. In the same way, he didn't have to do it for you and me three times. That was really fast, but I think you got it. If not, go back, listen to the tape, run it slow. <laughs> Amen. The whole point is, it's clean. Because he's clean, and heaven's clean, and it's holy, and he's in us. Amen. Yes, right. Good. You followed that. That was great. Verse 14. Now, here's the part you need to underline. How much more? If it could work with the other stuff, how much more? How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience and mine from dead works, things from yesterday, and probably even this morning, <laughs> as need fits that you might serve the living God. And you see about where Paul said, he enabled me, he enabled me, he enabled me. So when our warfare comes to, our warfare is primarily about standing on God's word, believing his word, despite the circumstances. It's not about fighting the devil. The devil has been fought. He's under your foot, at least he should be. If he's in your face, get him back down there. I understand that when I come in, in Psalm 23, I can make a feast. He makes a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. It doesn't say it. He's on a stick. In the Old Testament, he was, his head was on a stick. Goliath's head, they brought back, had dinner, stuck it on a stick while they all ate. That's not my kind of meal, but now he's under my foot. And he might be present, but he's under the table. Amen? So in the enabling... He purges our conscience from all those icky, junky business that stops you from walking in faith and trusting him so that you can serve him purely because that's the work he did. But we need to hear it and 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 hear it so that we can have faith for this in our life. How do I know and why do I think we have to keep hearing it? Because the evidence is shouting out that we still don't believe the blood of Jesus washes us clean. The evidence in people's cry, oh, well, they'll sing a song. Oh, I'm thankful I'm covered by the blood. You're not. You're not covered by the blood. You're not. Absolutely not. <laughs> Pastor, we are not. We're not covered. If you got up to heaven and here's your name in the book, there's your name, you know, written in the book of life because you accepted Jesus Christ. There's your name. The bugs splatter over it. If you could peel it off, it wouldn't have your past under it. 
washed, made clean, whole, new creation, new creation. Your past is dead. Amen. He didn't leave a little trickle behind. Flip on over to Hebrews 10, because you're not believing me yet. But we've sung about it. There are many songs that talks about being covered. Hebrews 10, verse 14. Oh, we'll we'll like 13 because it talks about expectation. I was talking about expectation, so we'll start there. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies made his foot. Still, even Jesus got his foot. I said, one of these days, somebody's going to bless me with a foot still covered in snakeskin. And I'm going to put my feet on it when I'm writing, and I'm going to love it. Hallelujah. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Whew. Just putting it out there. (laughs) My birthday's in October. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) We're just really enjoying the word of God this morning. For by one offering, everybody say one. One. Because he didn't have to go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth with the blood of Jesus. It works one time and it's still working. Amen. Aren't you glad? Well, he's going to have to do it again for me because I sinned last night. Mm -mm. Once. Once he has perfected forever them that are set apart, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness. He's watching you. (laughs) After that, he said before, before it was his plan, good plans. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. Hmm? I will put my law into their heart. In their mind, I will write them. Not just in your heart, your big head. Which is where most of the trouble lies. It's in there. He said so. We need to listen. The trouble is there's other voices up there. Your imagination is trying to Turn that thing around. Stop them. Verse 17. Underline it, circle it, put red around it, whatever you have to do. And their sins and iniquities, lawlessness, lawlessness, which is very present in this world, will I remember them no more. No more. Now we're remission of these is. There's no more offering. It's done. And some people wonder why I'm so bold. It's because I I, one day this thing just burst inside of me. It's not that I didn't have some things that I was like, dear God, help me now. And and, and I did, and I did things wrong. And and then one day it opened up. Having therefore, brethren, boldness, it does mean plainness of speech. So when she just tells you like it is, she just tells you like it is. Because I have boldness to enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus because I'm convinced I'm clean, because I'm convinced I'm holy. And I don't have to be convinced. I already am. I am persuaded. I'm not talking about being persuaded. I'm not hoping to be persuaded. I'm not confessing I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded. And so I'm bold. I speak plain. God loves me. He forgave me. I was once an idiot, and now I'm smart. I didn't have much wisdom. I have wisdom. I wasn't a good where waiting or patience was concerned. It wasn't my strength that I was born with. But yielding allows it to flow. And we're grateful for the blood, for the rest of it. A new and a living way, which he consecrated. If Jesus did all this for us, then certainly we can walk in it. We can walk in it. So in our position of warring and how we shut mouths of lions, this is the greatest way. See, when it comes to crazy voices trying to tell you things that aren't true about the word and that the world is more important and 
laws of the land and la la la. Don't think I ever have a crazy voice. It's why I understand. I just have boldness about the word of God. Doesn't mean I never feel the wind blow. I just don't listen to what it has to say. Sometimes it takes a few more reminders. But I remind myself, and the Holy Ghost is in there, and I buckle up, and I hold on with everything I have to the word of the Lord, not the word of the devil. Amen. Push back those crazy voices, the ones that say, you're not worthy. You haven't got the right this or that. You'll never have enough money. You'll never blah, 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 blah. I'm sure you've had your own challenges in that department. But I was so glad when I looked at it. He said, he wrote them on my head, too. He's got his word written not just in my heart, but in my mind. And when it's written not just in my heart, but in my mind, because he's, I'm being renewed in the spirit of my mind, when I realize he's been working his word in my mind, in my mind, come on, folks, in my mind, yeah. I begin to think like him. Is that allowed? Apparently. If you've been given the mind of Christ, he doesn't expect you to operate like in your human mind. So when you need an inhuman or superhuman answer, just listen. He's written it in there. Just don't push down the voice. And don't be surrounded by those other voices that are bigger. You see, this is our time. And time needs to come into its right place. Many generals have gone home over these past two years. We've seen many leave the earth. And there's a shuffling occurring as some things get arranged that are specifically for this time. And there are people being arranged. And some that we don't know are rising up into that place they may not know they are generals, but the anointing of generals, the territorial influence, the territorial anointing is on them to lead in this time. And so all of those things, it's for this time. And, it, and we don't mourn the loss. We walk in what those people deposited in our life. We hold them in the right place. No person, no person is to walk in their shoes. That is not the correct passing of the mantle. We are each given individual shoes. The gospel shoes of peace are uniquely formed for your own feet. We do not try to walk in them. We don't try to be those people. There may be similarities because the truth is when someone is laying hands on you in the same way when Paul laid his hands on Timothy, there was an impartation. There was a reflection of the ministry of Paul. But Timothy's ministry was separate and unique. Unique to his call. Unique to the way that God wanted him to operate. And there is a uniqueness that each one needs to embrace. As God readjusts and brings forth those who are called for this time. Those who will stand in today's generals. We'll see them. We'll see them rise up. We'll see them take their places. Because there are some empty seats currently. And we see that God is rearranging people and bringing them into place to speak what the Holy Spirit wants to speak in this hour, to raise up a people strong and mighty, to do his will and to walk in all of his promises. This is the time for that. This is the day for that. And there's just been that unique shuffling. Some of you have thought, oh, well, it's going to be some length of time. I'm telling you that that's not the truth. I'm telling you, you were prepared. It's going to be a short time, a short time, a short time. And people will come up and you think, my goodness, where did they come from? But they've been in preparation for some time. For some time. And you may be a little surprised, but you should be mightily blessed. They will have a voice that is unique. They will have a voice of strength and you'll know it. 
Just like when it said the Holy Spirit gives witness, there'll be a witness in your spirit of what the Lord is doing. A true witness, a faithful witness. You'll know because it will echo words of truth. There won't be any shading. There won't be any uh, lack of clarity. It'll be a clear sound and you'll know it. You'll know it, says the Lord. It will be sure. It will be solid and it will stand strong. It will also have wisdom that will come for these future times. The time that you're in is almost at a close and there will be some adjusting and there'll be some a, a, a breathing room. But this is the time that there are some things that you need to take from it, not the lessons of this world. Be very wary. Don't take the lessons of this world. Take the lessons that you've learned of the word. Don't withdraw from the extra prayers that have gone on. Keep the, 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 keep, keep that place where you've been pressing into his presence. Keep that place in your home. Keep that place. Guard it. And especially guard your heart with all diligence. There are things he longs to pour out into this time and into people. And if you'll hear, if you'll hear, he'll speak through you. Don't be distracted. Stay focused. Hear his voice and go. Amen. God is good. We love him so very much. Be grateful for the hour. Be grateful for what he's done and is doing. Be ever thankful because he's enabled every one of us with everything we need to do to run this race. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to finish my course. How about you? Amen. With great joy. And the ministry which I've received to testify the gospel of the grace of God. That's where I'm going. I'm going to enjoy the run. I'm going to have fun. And we're going to speak. There is a level of authority that's coming. And it'll be in our words and there'll be a weight to it. And we'll enjoy it. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, B.C. B3W3B1.